over the line comes Nelson driving. Lenny! Stopped by Corpusolo. Here's Lenny again. Steps in front. Pass across. They score! Brock Nelson! Islanders country, hello. This is PT Isles, the Brocktoberfest edition. I'm Isles Blog's Joe Bono. A reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Please rate and review the show or listen on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or over at nyislesblog.com. You know our guest. He's a sports anchor on CBS 880, contributes Islanders content for New York Sports Day, where he also hosts the Schwartz on Sports podcast. That's Peter Schwartz, and he joins us now. Peter, how you doing? How you been? I'm doing good, Joe. Been good. How about you? Pete, I'm doing well. A number of the Islander players were at MetLife Stadium, as were you last night, to see that 33 nothing drubbing at the hands of the New England Patriots. And uh, my question is, has your family forgiven you yet for dragging them along to that Monday night game? Um, no, I would, listen, we always wind up trying to have a good time in any of these events. But last night was particularly a, a rough one to go to. The Kevin Moai halftime ceremony where he got his Hall of Fame ring kind of uh, softened the blow of, what had happened because it was you know made for somewhat of a festive evening, but uh, it was that was a that was a tough watch last night. Yeah, school night too. So, no, um, that, that doesn't bother my kids. They like to go. You know, you you've 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 met you've seen them before. You know, they just you know when's the game? What time is it? Let's go. Let's let's go watch the Jets. Let's go watch the Iron. Doesn't matter. As for the Islanders, Pete, they are riding a four-game winning streak, now 5-3 and three on the young season, 10 points in their first eight games, 10 out of 16 possible points. And I listened to Andrew Gross earlier today, and he said if you extrapolate that over the course of an 82-game season, that would end up being 102.5 points, which puts them pretty much right on target for where they finished last year. So um, off to a good start after a pretty shaky start, 1-3 and three in those First four games, those back-to-back losses, 5-2 to the Edmonton Oilers and the and then Carolina Hurricanes. So they're certainly not playing their best hockey, but they're finding a way to win. And, you know, this could have gone the other way pretty easily without a couple of uh, shootout wins, overtime wins, and obviously that big comeback against the Blues. But overall, you got to be pretty satisfied where they are eight games into the season. Two points or two points when you can get it. Obviously, you want to start racking up some regulation wins because they changed the you know, the tiebreaker this year used to be regulation and overtime wins counted equal. Now it's just regulation to uh, determine the tiebreaker at the end of the season. So you want to see them start, you know, racking up some regulation wins. But you know, when they were when they were four and three, when they had won the three in a row and got the four and three, somebody pointed out on social media that you know everyone's talking about how you're off to a bad start. The Islanders were, and you know, they were three and four last year. So and then they wound up being four and three, and as you mentioned, now they're five and three. So they're kind of ahead of where they were at this point last year. It's basically the same group with a, you know a couple of changes. And you know, listen, it's you know I think by now the Islander fans have to trust what's you know been going on with this program with Barry Trotz and you know to a certain extent with Lou Lamorello. Although I'm sure Islander fans would like to see that really you know big trade happen at some point, but. You know they they're they're winning. There's no you don't throw back the games because of style points. It's not you know not the BCS. You know they you know you you get the two points, you win. You're five and three. They've won four in a row. It's better than where they were before the four game winning streak. So you take it, and the team's only going to get better. They're not completely whole yet. Anyway, you know uh, Casey Zizekas is back at practice, and you know Andrew Ladd is you know taking the the dark, you know, protective jersey off, and now he's skating. So you kind of expect at some point here, you know, you know, he'll be back. Um, so they're they're not they're not whole. You've got some young players that are still, you know, kind of finding their way, like Dobson and, and Wallstrom. But I think all things considered, Joe, five and three. Um, I, I think you have to sign on the dotted line for it. And there's a calming presence about Barry Trotz, and we saw this all last season as well. And the scene team certainly did rebound they didn't let you know two game losing streaks become three or four game losing streaks you watch Mm -hmm. these post-game press conferences and as a fan of the team you watch it and just have a confidence that they're going to figure this out whatever time they have in between the next game they're going to address these problems clean things up and they're not going to repeat themselves and this is not a knock on Doug Waite or Jack Capuano but it sounded it felt like sometimes after the games where they were searching for the answers and you weren't 
exactly sure whether or not they were going to make the adjustments necessary. With Barry Trotz and this coaching staff, they seem to nip the problems in the bud rather quickly. Uh, there's no question. And there's accountability. Um, and and there's, there's a trust factor. And, you know, this coaching staff, and it goes beyond Barry Trotz. It goes to Lane Lambert and the rest of the staff. Um, and how fortunate the Islanders were that Lane Lambert didn't get um, another, you know, get a head sure. coaching job, that he's back uh, with the program. So um, there's, there's, you know, there's, uh, there's structure, there's accountability, um, and you saw the other night, um, you know, when Barry, you know, let loose on his team during a timeout and, and got them going. Because if you look at the Islanders roster and you look at some of the other rosters of the top teams around the league, obviously the Islanders don't have the, you know, the, the most high-powered offense that some other lineups that some other teams have. But the coaching staff knows what these players can do and what they're capable of doing, and they have to work hard, and they, and they have to capitalize on their chances, um, and they can't make mistakes. So when he sees that these things are going on, these bad trends, like the timeout and profanity-laced tirade of his team, you know, he knows what to do because he's been around the block. He's had success in the NHL with other teams. So, um, yeah, I, the, 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 listen, the, sometimes in coach, you know, coaches, managers, sometimes you, you can minimize what their value is to a team. Uh, I don't I think in hockey, I think it's very, very important. And you see just how important Barry Trotz has been to this Islanders franchise in, in two seasons. And, Peter, you mentioned accountability. We saw earlier in the season Brock Nelson, and we're still in the midst of October, a few more games left. Um, he took those you know, four minutes' worth of penalties against the Edmonton Oilers, and he sat for big chunks of that yeah. game. And, and here's Brock, again, one of the, his most trusted and accounted-on players, signed the big contract extension during the offseason. And, listen, Brocktober is nothing new, uh, even when he was a bit of an inconsistent forward that would uh, disappear for stretches of the season. He still had a very good October. But last year, he really solidified himself as a very solid two-line center. And you can see how much Barry Trotz trusts in him. And also mm-hmm. a really good start once again, the big overtime goal in Columbus. I did not see this coming with Brock Nelson, but he's become such a mature player and, and, and really a leader on this team that people can look to by example. When they, when they went to the postseason, um, uh, to the offseason, uh, the Islanders had obviously the big four unrestricted free agents. The, 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 the person uh, that I felt most comfortable, most confident that the Islanders were going to bring back, and I guess to a certain extent you could say Anders Lee, but I thought for sure Brock Nelson was going to be back, uh, simply because um, he became such a favorite of Barry Trotz last year. You, you look, go back and listen to any of the interviews he did last year when asked about Brock. You know, he always was very complimentary of his play, and I think Brock's game, you know, he turned it up a notch under Barry Trotz last year. So I, I, I was extremely confident that you know, he was going to be one of the guys that was was brought back, and he was, and he's he's a huge part of what they're doing and you know you mentioned before the inconsistency and we saw that in his first few NHL seasons but um you'd be hard pressed to find you know a more important player to what the Islanders are doing here than, than Brock Nelson and and he's doing it on both ends of the rink now and that's not something you really saw back you know his first couple of years with the Islanders now the Islanders number one center Matt Barzell now off to a hot start suddenly off to a hot start after really not being able to capitalized on some chances earlier in that earlier in the season he gets a bit of a fluke goal against the st louis blues in that unbelievable islander comeback <laughs> i know you were at the game for that during that matinee on columbus day finish finish your question and i have a great story about about that game after after we talk about this and i was just gonna say you know the focus on him shooting more he scores that power play goal in winnipeg looking like alexander ovechkin from the left hand circle he's scoring on breakaways you have to be ecstatic at what you're seeing at matt barthel because it was last year a little bit of a step back offensively for him to yeah. focus on becoming a two-way player and now at least in the last three four games putting it all together and if that's the case it's going to be a huge uplift for this islander team there's no question. He, you know, when you watch him on the ice, you know, there's when you think about players in sports that you would, you know, buy a ticket just to see the one guy. 
I mean, you look at, you know, you go around, obviously, you know, in, in you know, football, you know, you, you want to see, you know, Tom Brady, and you, you want to see Odell, and you want to see some, you know, some of these star players. And, you know, in hockey, obviously, you want to see you know, the Crosbys and the Ovechkins of the world. And Barzell is, Barzell's getting right there. Because if you're a fan of another team in another market, and the Islanders are coming to town, I mean, this is the guy you want to see in person. Because he could, you know, at any moment, he could take over a game. He's He's that talented and he's fast and he can skate and he could shoot and he could pass and I Islanders haven't had a player with a with a package like that in, in, in really in a long time and this guy is electrifying and the I guess the only nitpicking thing you could say about him is he needs to shoot more. And I think he even admits that he needs to, to shoot the puck more. Uh I, I don't know if the Islanders have a more gifted passer on, on the roster than than Barzell. But I this is a guy who's capable one day, I think of of being first in the NHL and scoring. That's how good he is, and that's how quickly he can take over a game. And I think we've seen him get off to a real flying start this year. And and and, and the goals are going to go in because he's because he's starting to shoot the puck a little bit more. I think he needs to shoot even more than that because this guy is really you know an elite you know top ten and maybe even potentially down the road a top five player in the NHL. And what was your story story yeah, from that yeah. game? So I went uh Monday with my uh with my with my kids to the, the, the Blues game and uh I have a number of Islander jerseys in my collection. One in particular is the Stadium Series jersey from when they played the Rangers at Yankee Stadium a few years ago. And obviously as everyone knows, that resembles the third jersey that they wear now. So um I, I chose to to wear it now. It was a controversial decision on my part because, as my kids pointed out, and I've recognized this, the Islanders have never won a game. And I've when I've worn it to a game or worn it to a road game viewing party. So I wanted to give it one more one more shot last Monday. My younger son Jared is like, Dad, it's not a good idea. You just put it back in the closet. Your Bradley wasn't too happy with my decision to wear it, but. I decided let's let's give this one more chance. It's you know it's as close to the third jersey as possible. Let's let's give it one more chance. So obviously we all know what happened. They fall behind one nothing, then it's two nothing in the third period. You know this, Peter, as a Yankee fan. If you're going to break the curse, you have to do it in a monumental fashion, you know, like the <laughs> Red Sox did in 2004. Yes, yes, and 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 I and I think you're going to appreciate what, what 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 I'm about to tell you. So. There's about seven and a half, eight minutes to go in the game. You know, Jared's just on me, like, why'd you have to wear it? Why'd you have to wear it? And I just, like, I guess to about seven, seven and a half minutes to go in the game, I'm not exactly what time it was. I said, that's it. This, this, it's, I'm done with it. I took the jersey off um, at the game in the seats. I had an Islander T-shirt on underneath. I took the jersey off, folded it up, put it down on the ground. I'm like, that's it. I'm not wearing it to a game anymore. <laughs> And I think we all know what happened after that. Five and a half minutes to go, they make it two to one. They score in the last thirty seconds to make it two two, and they win the game in overtime. And I turned, I turned to Jared. I said, I guess it had to be the jersey. He goes, You are never ever wearing that to a game again. They were zero and seven between games and road game viewing parties. We're on the jersey. It's it's in the closet. It's not being worn on game days again. That's it. I'm done with it. I'll go find another jersey somewhere that maybe can take its place. I don't think it should be worn at all. Forget game days. I don't think you should, you know, press your luck, uh, you know, walking around Long Island with that jersey on, uh, given that the bad luck. Yeah, maybe just playing. Maybe just playing hockey with the kids in front of the house. Maybe I'll throw it on once in a while, but ne- never on a game day. It will not be worn on a game day ever again. Well, they'll be happy to beat you then if they're if they're playing you in that jersey. That's uh, fine. Playing that's, in front of the house. That's <laughs> fine. I'm just interested in my kids' happiness. That's what I'm interested in. PT Isles podcast. Peter Schwartz is our guest. Follow him on Twitter at Schwartz Sports, the Schwartz on Sports podcast, uh, New York Sports Day as well, CBS 880 Sports Anchor. Um, let's turn our attention to a couple teenagers that are um, around the team right now, Noah Dobson and Oliver Wallstrom. You know, just a couple of years ago, Islanders with those back-to-back picks, 11 and 12. Here they are playing in the NHL. Uh, Dobson, they, we'll start off with him. They're kind of working him in a rotation. And, you know, some Islander fans, they want to see him. And then the little bits that they have seen, they've liked a lot. Um, even in that game that they lost 5-2 to the Edmonton Oilers, he 
picked up a really nice assist um, towards right. the end of that game as well. So you kind of see the skill set right there. But it's really unclear as to exactly how much he's going to play. If you look at it across the entire 82-game schedule, is he going to play 40-some-odd games? Because there's a you know a, certainly a, content, a contingent of fans that say, you know, what are we doing with a 19-year-old up in a maybe not-so-form-fitting suit up in the press box? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was an interesting situation because – Obviously, as you know, I mean, there are age rules when you have junior eligibility left. If you played you know, Canadian junior hockey and, and you're of a certain age, you, you can't be sent to your AHL team. And you either have to be on the NHL team or you have to go back to juniors. And it's interesting because uh, Dobson and Wallstrom are in, you know, numerically the same age, but there's just a, a different breakdown as to when that, you know, when the birth, when the birth year birthday changes. So Wallstrom eligible to go to Bridgeport, but Dobson was not. And you heard through training camp how happy, you know, Barry Trotz was with Dobson and even pointed out at one moment that, you know, he questioned how how good it would be for Dobson to go back to juniors. He's proven everything he could possibly do there. So the decision was to keep him with the Islanders, and he's definitely not going to play 82 games and may get in there every now and then, or do you send him back to juniors? And he could get bored, and his game could regress, and they made the decision to keep him up. And from what we've seen of him so far, he looks like you know a, a guy who um, certainly knows what he's doing, does not look lost out there, um, obviously not ready to be the every night you know, top six Defenseman, but I, I think that moment's going to come. Um, you know, they'll in all likelihood be, you know, injuries during the course of the season. There could be a trade, and everyone keeps speculating. You know, Nick Letty is a guy that you know him and his contract is someone that the Islanders would want to move somewhere down the road here. So that could open up a spot for Dobson to be an everyday player. Um, but I, I think it certainly looks like right now. Uh, the Islanders are comfortable with their decision to keep him with the team and not send him back to juniors. Now, Wallstrom is is an interesting story, too, because obviously you you look and you see all the talent in the world, and he's had some chances to score, has not done that yet. Um, but he's eligible to go back to Bridgeport, and you've got Andrew Ladd lurking you know, back at practice like we talked about before. And I think you're starting to see Islanders' Twitter and you know the Islanders' country getting a little nervous that – that Ladd could be taking Wallstrom's spot. And I don't, Joe, think it's going to be a horrible thing if, if Wallstrom goes back down for a little bit. You know, I, you know, Ladd is making a lot of money, and I'm not always saying that, you know, contract is, is a reason to be in the lineup because I don't think that's the case. But I, I think the Islanders want to try and find, find a way to get something out of their investment in Andrew Ladd, and I think he's going to play here. And if it means sending Wallstrom or sending Wallstrom back to Bridgeport to play every night as he can in the AHL, then I, I, I think that's fine. I, I, I don't think we came into the season thinking that Oliver Wallstrom was going to be um, a key contributor. I think if he was going to come up at some point, I think that was great. I think he came up a lot earlier than a lot of us thought he would. I don't think it will be the worst thing in the world for him to go down to AHL, dominate there, score some goals, and you know, when the time is right to come back up, I, I think the Islanders have to finally find out if Andrew Ladd can be a contributor to this team, and if not, then obviously I think you're certainly looking at a buyout at the end of the year. What? Well, what I think is so interesting on the Wallstrom side of things is that he offers a skill set that the team does not have much of, which is that you know sniper-type shot, a right-handed right. shot, and in flashes, he's, he's shown that already in just three games. Sure. He hasn't registered a goal, but he's come close a couple of times. Yeah. And the physicality has surprised me. At 19 years old, the ability to use his body, um, you know, to have a little bit of that in his game, you know, to check and then also be able to have the stick handle in, in tight spots and create some room for himself. So, you know, there's a temptation, I think, for Islander fans that they want to see him you know, play with a playmaker like Matt Barzell and not be on a, you know, on a third line, perhaps with, you know, with other members of this team that, uh, you know, that aren't going to be able to put him in positions to score as much. And, you know, we'll get into the Islanders power play. They just haven't had a lot of opportunities. So I think, I think everyone will be okay with it, certainly. Um, but I think the temptation is, is that you can see in, in flashes that, you know, he, he does some things already better than really uh, a vast majority of this roster does. Yeah, I think um, for him to be 
um, a really effective player right now. I mean, you can't put him with fourth-line players. With his skill set, he's got to play with guys who are going to be you know, offensive threats and guys who can make plays. And I, and I totally agree. I think the ultimate situation for him is when he gets a chance to play on the top line and play with Barzell and see what those two guys can do together. I just don't know if the Islanders are ready um, to give that a go yet. I, th- I, I think if, if Ladd is healthy, I think they're going to give him every opportunity to play I, I, Wallstrom's not going to be too far away. If they do send him down, he can come back at any moment. Um, and, and I think everyone is fairly and right, you know, rightfully excited by what he brings to the table and his skill set. But to me, it doesn't pay for him to be playing with the Tom Kunakles of the world. I, this guy's got to play with, with two good players on his line and take advantage of that skill set. I, I think we'll see that eventually. I just don't know if we're going to see it right now. While those two guys have been, you know, I think somewhat good good surprises to this point this season, um, you know, the one acquisition in the forward group that Lou Lamarillo didn't make was next Ranger Derek Broussard, and he's just, there's really no way around it. He's just not off to a good start. No. And you look at what Valtteri Sopola gave them last year, 20 goals from that third-line center spot. You know, there's going to be periods of time where Matt Barzell is not scoring goals or Brock Nelson slows down. You need to have that scoring throughout the lineup. I mean, this is an Islander team, Pete, that got 20 goals from Casey Sezikis last year. Yep. So, you know, Broussard is an important piece. He he can't fall off the cliff here. You know, he, he had a disappointing last, last season, um, and that led to him signing a one-year contract that wasn't vast interest around the league for a player that was – you know, at one point, a very hot commodity I traded a couple times at the deadline to try to be a missing piece for a team down a playoff stretch. He's got to get this got to, got to get this thing going. You wonder whether or not it's um, trying to understand and get get used to the structure of, of Barry Trotz's team around a bunch of other players that are very familiar with it. But you know, it, it's been tough going for him so far. Yeah, yeah, not off to the start he wanted. I don't mean to sound like Joe Girardi. It's not what you want, um, but. Um, I liked the move when they made it. I thought it would be, you know, yeah, very. Mm-hmm. What's it? I, th- I thought it was a high reward, low risk, one year deal. Um, uh, I like his game. I, I've, I've been, you know, obviously uh, not a, a, f- a fan of his, but obviously, you know, admiring his 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 overall resume in the NHL has been has been pretty good. And I, and I thought he would bring something to the table here and. I think there's still time for him to obviously get this turnaround and as he eases into familiarity with Barry Trotz's system. You know, he, he showed a lot of flashes in, in training camp, um, had some pretty good performances. And I, I think you have to you know, give him probably a little bit more time. But, but you're right. I mean, he can't fall off the cliff here. If he becomes a real non-factor, then you know, they have to think about you know, filling that roster spot um, you know, with somebody with somebody else, at least for you know, for you know, active wise. But um, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, you know uh, throw dirt on him just yet. I, this is a guy that's been you know, a quality NHL player for a long time, and um, I think it's at some point he'll be a contributor for this team. Pete Matt Martin's been a healthy scratch uh, for the last few games. Do you think that's just mm-hmm. a product of Sezikis also being out and knowing that that? You know, that fourth line or the identity line that Barry Trotz is now calling them is just not the same when they're not all together. That, you know, plus, listen, they're winning games right now with Ross Johnson in the lineup. Um, anything, yeah. Do you think Matt Martin gets back in the lineup just as soon as Casey and that, 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 that group with him and Clutterbuck can get uh, joined back together? Yeah, I, I think at this point in the season, you know, I, I don't think Barry Trotz is opposed to mixing things up a little bit. And, you know, Matt Martin – just you know, two years ago, no stranger to, to sitting out because obviously he was a healthy scratch mm-hmm. a lot for the Maple Leafs before the Islanders reacquired him. And look, this this could also be the you know the beginning of the end of you know the best four line fourth line in hockey because you know is say what you want about Matt Martin, but you know Cal Clutterbuck to, to me hasn't been the same player. Yes, you know, Zizekas is. Obviously, to me, all around and you know, offensive wise, is, is obviously turned out to be the best you know, of the three, and is is a, a really, really good 
NHL player. And I think when you start to see you know, Matt Martin, a guy who Lou Amarello couldn't wait to trade for when he became the Islanders' general manager, you know, this is not, you know, this is not the country club Islanders of Doug Waits and the Jack Capuanos and the Garth Snows of the world. I mean, this is, you, know, you have a, a Stanley Cup you know, winning uh, head coach. You've got a, a legendary general manager that's running the show here. And, you know, Matt Martin, fan favorite and all, and, and everybody knows what he's meant to this team. But, you know, th- this is a team that uh, they're, they're, uh, that's trying to get to competing for a Stanley Cup. And if Matt Martin turns out to be a guy that is not one of the 20 you know, best that's available for a game, then, you know, so be it. I mean, Islander fans want to see this team win. And I, I don't think loyalty comes into play at all. If he, if he's not in the in the coaching staff's estimation worthy of of dressing for a game, then that, that he doesn't dress for a game. You have to put the twenty guys out there that, that you think give you the best chance of of, of winning a hockey game. And um, as much as Matt Martin has meant, and as much as he's beloved by the fans on Long Island, I think Islander fans would rather see them. They certainly would rather see wins. Uh, without Matt Martin, then losses with him. Peter Schwartz is our guest on the PT Isles podcast. Uh, moving over to defense, I just really like this group overall. You know, I, I like the mm-hmm. balance they have with Letty and Boychuk when he gets in there. And, you know, Barry Trotz kind of says, you know, tongue in cheek about how it's not pretty, but he kind of gets it done. And, you know, he kind of was responsible for the goal, the game tying goal against yep. the St. Louis Blues somehow keeping the puck into into the zone. He did it again the, the following game, um, setting up um, setting up a goal by, by knocking down a, a knocking down a puck uh, at the line. Um, you know, and the emergence I think of guys like Mayfield and Pellick who, you know, signed these kind of contracts that Garth Snow gave out, these kind of long term deals yeah. at, at at low money and you're going, are these guys going to be players that you're going to want around for four or five years? And the answer is, wow, those are really great value contracts right now. Some some of what Garth did worked out, some did not. These ones look like they're working out. And when you pair them with skilled guys like Pulak and Kays, the Islanders' defense may not have the Drew Doughty um, or the Eric Carlson here, but, God, this is as good of a group as I've seen. You know, I, I remember that 2000 2000- one two thousand two group, the Kenny Johnson, the Coins, and right. Hammerlick. You feel like any any pair out there is, is a really good solid pair uh, that the Islanders can put out there on, on D. Yeah, it's it's a good group, and obviously we talked about Noah Dobson before. Uh, this is you know a, a really good group that he's trying to you know he's trying to crack this top six here, and there there's just no room for him right now with you know with with this group they have. Obviously, you know Pollock is. Uh, tremendous slap shot, tremendous offensive player, and I think you're seeing his his play grow on on, on the other end of the rink. Um, he's become a much better uh, defensive defenseman as well. But obviously, you know, let's be honest. Obviously, his game is to you know, get the puck on goal and, and be an offensive force too. Uh, you mentioned Boychuk. Uh, uh, to, to me, this 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 guy. There's no way. That the Islanders should be even be thinking of if they're going to move a player on that blue line. You can't do. It. He means so much to the team. Um, his leadership, his play on the ice, the play against the Blues to keep that puck in was incredible. He's been to me, in my mind, one of the best acquisitions this team has made you know, in the last 20 years. I mean, you could people can you know rag on on Garth Snow all they want. I mean, getting getting Boychuk was was a huge acquisition in Islanders history. This guy has um, been an incredible part of, of this franchise so far, and uh, to have him as a tutor for the younger defenseman um, is is just phenomenal. So this is a really this is a really good group. Devon Taves, you know, came out of nowhere last year um, to be part of this too. So you you look at this at this group and. There's, there's no, there, I don't think there's, you know, a, a bad spoke on that wheel when you talk about that defensive group. That's they're, they're, they're as good. You said it before. They're as good a group as you can possibly ask for. And turning our attention to Annette Thomas Grice and Semyon Varlamov, and uh, no, listen, Varley's in a tough spot because every time he he gives up. <laughs> of a bad goal, and I'm guilty of it too, you're going to think 
about, you know, would Robin Leonard have saved that puck? And you're keeping an eye on what he's doing with Chicago. So he's in a, he's in a tough spot this, this first year just because of how big of a fan favorite Robin Leonard was, personal story, and plus how he performed, right, Vesna finalist. And he yep. really settled in. He gave up a bad goal in that Capitals game, you know, a tight 2-1 loss, and then did not play well at Edmonton. But he really, you know, really stood up in that game against Florida, uh, really kept the game close when the Panthers were pushing a little and then obviously I uh, came out big in overtime and in the shootout and then and then Thomas Grice you know I think you know for where he was a year and a half ago Pete where where mm-hmm. you know he was you know three and a half type of goals against average to what he did last year and now he's just carrying it over 2.21 goals against three and one to start the season and you almost start looking ahead in the situation and go wow they just you know we talk about the big plan in net and um bringing Sorokin over from Russia, but, you know, that means saying goodbye to Thomas Grice, and, and he's a guy that's going to play 40 games for you and, and, and play at this level. Mm-hmm. That's that's going to be tough to just, you know, go from that to potentially bring in a rookie to be that backup with how many how many quality starts he gives you. No no question. Uh, Grice has been terrific, and obviously what they did with Leonard last year was great, and, uh, you know, Varlamov's, a good NHL goalie. And listen, with the, with this with this coaching staff with Mitch Corn, I mean they can make you and I look good between the pipes. I, I think that's how good these these guys are. And you know, the, obviously the play in front of the net is a big reason why they've been so good as well. Um, but I thought you know, listen, Leonard was a great story last year, and it would have been nice to see him back. But you know, Varlamov is a, is a capable NHL goalie, and if the the the, uh, the the backdoor plan is was to bring him in in order to entice Sorokin to come. I, listen, I, I I I don't have a problem with that. In fact, I don't think there's any guarantee. Even if Sorokin comes over next year, you could still bring Grice back on another one year you know one year deal. I mean, there's no guarantee Sorokin's going to be NHL ready. He still has to get used to the North American game. I could see him starting in Bridgeport if they bring him next year. Let 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 him let him get accustomed to everything and. You know, if Grice and Varlamov become a good tandem this year, there's no reason why they can't bring them back for another another year. So, um, goaltending, and uh, we didn't say this two years ago under the old regime, but goaltending another obviously huge backbone of this of this team right now under Barry Trotz because they have really become a real good defensive team from the the blue line back. Um, and and the goaltenders, it just looks like whoever they're whoever they're popping in there right now. Uh, they're they're doing the job because they 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 have a plan they have structure and these these coaches have done a tremendous job over the last two seasons. And the Islanders, like we said, four game winning streak. And now they have some winnable games coming up. They host the Coyotes on Thursday night and then at Ottawa on Friday and back to back before hosting the Flyers on Sunday. Uh, Pete, before we let you go, I want to get your thoughts on Belmont. Uh, you were at the groundbreaking. Uh, you've been to some other press events around uh, the arena. I know for a lifelong Islander fan and lifelong Long Islander like yourself, you just must be ecstatic that this is actually happening. Um, so outside of what you know, everyone else has seen in terms of um, in the news and in social media, what has it just been like around the feel of these events and then talking um, to you know former players, guys like Bobby Nystrom and Clark Gillies, and, and getting some uh, time with John Ledecky and and kind of hearing what he plans this Belmont Arena to be, and the Islanders to finally get a true state-of-the-art arena that they can call their own. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be great for the franchise going forward to finally have this whole arena thing behind them and not worry about the flip-flopping between the Coliseum and Barclay Center, which just to me is just a a, a ridiculous situation for. Um, a franchise to have to go through. You know, last year, you know, obviously splitting the home games, you could kind of understand that. But to me now, that the shovel is in the ground, I, I see no reason why they just play them all in the Coliseum now. Anyway, you know the you know the new arena and the revenues are are, are coming in a couple of years. I, I would just play them all in the Coliseum now. But that's that's the decision that's way above my pay scale and, and your pay scale also. But. The, the Belmont plans look unbelievable. I've been to the groundbreaking. I was at an event with the Islanders alumni last week or a week and a half ago, um, and, and, I'm, and I was fortunate enough to have some time with you know Clark Gillies and, and Bobby Nystrom for my podcast. And off the air with both of them, 
before starting the interview, as I remarked to both of them, I, I really can't believe this is actually happening as we're, we're standing on the Long Island Railroad platform of Belmont Park looking out into the big hole of dirt uh, where there, and the concrete has already started to be you know, poured as well for the foundation. And they you know, both agree with me. Like This is just unbelievable that this is actually with all the years it's taken the Islanders to get this going, whether it was uh, you know, prior ownership groups that tried to get it done, and then Charles Wong with the lighthouse and, and the referendum, and now finally this, this, it, it's happening. It's the, the, the arena is going up. The Islanders are going to be in Belmont in October of 2021. And just from the plans that, uh, that I've seen, everybody else has seen all the pictures online, this is going to be um, a state-of-the-art place. It's, as John Ledecky said, the first third-generation arena to be built in North America. Um, everything that they're planning for this building uh, is going to be second to none. And uh, I, I think if you're an Islander fan, you're someone that works for the team and someone that covers the team, I mean, this is just going to be an, an incredible thing to go through. Not, not just, you know, the – the actual thought of the arena opening up, but it's pretty cool to be able to follow this place going up uh, over the next two years. They've set up a, a camera at the site. You'll be able to watch the progress, and they'll have these you know, events from time to time at, at, at the site to show everybody how far along the, the, the progress is coming. And don't, don't discount what else is going to wind up going up on that site, too, and what a destination it's it's going to be to go there next to Belmont Park, the hotel, you know, across Hempstead Turnpike where this big empty parking lot is now is going to be a retail and, and dining and entertainment you know, destination for, for, for Long Islanders and people in the area. This is going to be, you know, Charles Wong's vision for what the lighthouse was supposed to be. And remember, Charles Wong was the first person ownership-wise uh, associated with the Islanders that actually saw the site, was shown it, and he was the one who, who turned to the new owners and said, "This this is probably something you want to, you know, pursue." I, I just don't think you can discount how important this is going to be for the franchise to have the stability of their of their home. It's going to help with free agency. It's going to help keep players here, um, and it's just going to be an economic boon for for Long Island. And um, as much as I think someone like myself, growing up in East Meadow and riding my bicycle to the Nassau Coliseum, I think. Everybody um, my age and, and even and younger, I, I think we all wanted to see it happen on sacred ground. You know, Yankees, the new Yankee Stadium was built right next to the old one. And, you know, City Field was built right next to Shea. And I think if in a perfect world the new Coliseum should have been built right next to the old Coliseum. But obviously that didn't happen for, for a, a number of reasons. But um, this is still a Long Island area code it's 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 Hempstead Turnpike it's Nassau Coliseum it's a it's Nassau County uh I, I just I, I'm as excited as anybody to see uh the way that this building is going to go up and just to see what it's going to mean for this franchise down the road and Pete one more from me because there's always so much attention on Islanders attendance and Listen, we haven't had a game at Barclays Center yet. I, I don't know what the attendance figures are going to be for that game. Those games. I mean, you know, you said it. Um, you know, why aren't all the why aren't all the games at at the Coliseum at this point? Um, I'm with you on that. You know, seven, eight thousand. You know, uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see what they have. But you know, even the games at the Coliseum aren't selling out in all in all respects. Is it a, just a matter that this Islander fan base needs to be built back up in terms of the season ticket holder base, mm-hmm. that uh, people need to have the confidence that they're going to put out a product year after year after year that they're going to want to be part of, that they're going to want to experience, and they feel good about putting their disposable income. And so, you know, is the fan base large enough in your mind to, you know, be, when the novelty of this new arena wears off that, you know, they're going to be able to fill 17,000 seats um, night after night. Well, I mean, I, I think the fan base is there. Um, it, are, are they going to be able to fill 17,000 seats every night for 15 years? No, I Probably not. Um, I think there's evidence of other buildings around the country that are built where, you know, it starts out like a house on fire and it, it dies down. Obviously, you want to see a product on the ice that, um, is competitive for a long time. You want to have a. All, all you can do as owners is give your fan base a, the the hope 
and 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 a, and a thought that this team could compete for a championship. And I think that's where this franchise is going. As far as the attendance now in the Coliseum, I think it's really disappointing. I was you know there on that Monday with my kids, and even the the set. I was I was more um, taken back by the Saturday night crowd alumni weekend when they gave out the rings, the commemorative, you know, the replica rings of the seventy nine eighty championship ring. Uh, and and it was a small crowd there. You would have thought, you know, and you know this is a Mets fan. The Mets have had those ring giveaways for the '86 and the '69 team, and they get a sellout crowd when when you give when you have something like that. But the Islanders announced that you know like a week and a half before it was it was going on, and for whatever reason, you know they uh, they their 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 ticket packages during the summer, you know they didn't put they didn't put individual tickets on sale. Um, I, I thought they waited, you know, too too long to do that. There were the seven games that were moved from the Barclays Center to the Coliseum the day of the groundbreaking at Belmont. Um, so even like that first that that first those first two games that were moved, one was a Sunday night game, um, one was uh, Tuesday night, which was Yom Kippur. Um, I, I think you could probably give them a little slack. Those are the first two that were moved. People didn't plan around them, but. These other games, I mean, it's 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 shocking. I, I think there's a, a a number of reasons. You mentioned it, the uncertainty in the fan base. I think that 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 will come back now that the momentum is building for Belmont Park. Um, I I think you look around the league, and there's a lot of markets where you know attendance picks up. You know, as as the hockey season starts to settle in. And listen, here in New York, you know, this may sound like an excuse, but I mean, there are a lot of things going on in New York. In October, um, and 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 those things are settling down now. And I think as the Islanders continue to to win games, I think you'll see the certainly the Coliseum games will become you know uh, a tough ticket. But there there's been so much collateral damage done to this fan base over the course of the years, Joe. I mean, I don't have to tell you what 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 the fan base has been through with with ownership and with the with the arena mess and. Um, and things like that, but I, I, I think now that now that Belmont is is reality, it's happening. Um, I think at some point, you know, this this fan base will grow back to where it was again. But I, I do think they have to be a little smarter too with the way that they they sell tickets. And they should never they, they uh, for the longest time during the off season, it was only full season tickets, and um, people weren't sure. There was always this thing: Oh, they're going to move more games from Barclays Center to the Coliseum. Am I going to buy a full season knowing that only half the games were in the Coliseum? Um, I think now that the certainty is there, I think you'll see the fans come back. But I think they they they, they would do themselves a favor, and the NHL would do the Islanders a big favor if they just moved them all to the Coliseum and this you know this flip flopping of arenas. The teams coming home. They're going to be a Long Island team again. Let's just play them all in the Coliseum, and let's get rid of the whole dark cloud over where these games are going to be, where the playoff games are going to be. They're a Long Island team. All the games should be at the Coliseum now until Belmont opens up. Yeah, I know. Listen, I know a lot of fans don't like bringing up the attendance figures and that it shouldn't be about that, um, and I understand why. It doesn't reflect well always on, on the Islanders, and it's an easy you know easy fodder for Ranger fans and, and other fan bases to uh, yeah. to point a finger at Islander fans. I get that, but to me, it's just fascinating because, like you said, there's been so much collateral damage, 20, 25 years of um, you know bad ownership, a bad product on the ice, uncertainty, et cetera, and fans that got used to either watching the games at home or being able to purchase a ticket, you know, five minutes before the game at below face value. Yeah. And, um, you know, how, how you undo um, how, that, how that's been the case for a long, long time. It's going to be a challenge, I think, for Ledecky and Malkin and the Islander yeah, organization I... to figure out how they do that. But to me, I'm just, I'm just equally as fascinated as to how they market and build this thing up to really generate the energy and excitement to where you're going to be afraid that if you don't get a package over the course of the year, you might get shut out or outpriced for a playoff game, Yeah, which isn't the case. Well, I, the I think it wasn't the place a couple of years earlier. Yeah. And listen, I, I, when they, when they got to the playoffs last year, the, the, the ticket prices first round of the Coliseum were through the roof. Um, a hundred dollars to sit all the way up on the top. I mean, that, that's, that's a lot of money. And, yeah, I, I made a point to ask John Ledecky this at the at the Belmont event, you know, a couple of weeks ago about the new building. I'm like, are you going to be, you know, for a family of four, 
to go to the building, I, I mean, obviously you're going to have businesses and, and high-end people that are going to buy the big seats, the suites, the boxes, all that, all that stuff. But, you know, what about, you know, the family of four, you know, that wants to sit up top and, you know, he, and he said they're going to make sure that there are seats for every um, income uh, level of, of, in the Islanders fan base. And I, and I think they have to do a better job of promoting that now. Because this perception that, you know, every ticket to an Islander game now is $100 or $150 or, or $200 is, is just false. I mean, you know, there are, there are tons of tickets for these games that are, you know, $30 and less. Um, and I think you look around the league, and that's probably below the average around the league when you look at, at the ticket prices. I mean, that's relatively inexpensive for a hockey game. And, and, and and you just and you see the tons of tickets that are on StubHub now. I mean, you, Thursday night's game against uh, Arizona. I saw the other day. There's there's tickets going for six, seven, eight dollars. I think today it was up to ten. But I mean, there's tons of tickets, and I don't think these are all, you know, season ticket holders, you know, dumping their tickets. I just wonder where all these tickets are coming from that are on StubHub. That you people can go. You can go to an NHL game on Thursday night for ten bucks, Joe. Why? How could you not go? So I think the perception yeah, is I'm that. About. I just, I just don't know that that's been the routine for Islander fans for such a long time. You know, I think, um, you know, how how they how they end up building up their season ticket holder base. Listen, they have to win as well, right? They got to keep on putting a winning product on the ice. Right, right. Um, and certainly, that's a big part of it. You know, expectations being playoffs and and advancing in the playoffs and, and getting to conference finals and maybe a Stanley Cup final. Uh, that goes a long, long way in making sure that happens. But right. you know, it's a bit. Well, they, they, a have create, they have to create. They have to create. They have to create value for the tickets. They yeah. have to create a value for the ticket because right now there's there's not much value to an Islanders ticket because the building's not filled um, and it costs you know compared to other teams a mere pittance you know to, to go to a game and. Um, John Ledecky said a couple of weeks ago that the Islanders' season ticket base from last year this year doubled, um, which is, sounds great in theory, but why why is there you know nine thousand people at a, a game in the Coliseum that seats thirteen nine? If you doubled your season ticket base, did it go from two thousand to four thousand? Did it go from three thousand to six thousand? I mean. You know, you you want to create this demand for the tickets in the new building, but but right now I'm not I'm not seeing where. If if you told me now that the Islanders were up to ten thousand season tickets and they were filling the Coliseum every night, I could say mission accomplished. But I obviously they have a lot of work to do. Whether it's you know advertising in the newspaper, doing more marketing kind of things, but right now I think the perception of a lot of Islander fans is that it's too expensive to go to a game. Um, which is just completely not the case, and I, I, I'm not a marketing person, so I don't know how they do this. But it, there, there is clearly some value now to go into an Islanders game because they're a good team, and the tickets are not crazy. A lot of, you, you know, not every, it's not everybody's God-given right to sit in the lower bowl. I mean, you could sit in the upper bowl and have a great view of the ice, and the tickets are not that expensive, so people should go to the games. Mm-hmm. No, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm watching. Um... You know, watching watching this uh, kind of unfold over the next uh, couple of years and what the strategy is, and you know, I feel like they've done a lot of stuff for season ticket holders, a lot of perks, and, and they try to take care of those uh, those fans, and, and rightfully so, those especially that have been been through uh, NASA Coliseum, mm-hmm. Barclay Center, and back. Uh, we'll see if they can uh, continue to build it up because uh, you know yeah. it's got to become a happening. Oh, and then we will close Belmont to become a happening. And Joe, I'll, I'll just my, my last thought on the whole Coliseum thing too. As much as I, I, as I mentioned before, I mean they, they should all be in the Coliseum until Belmont starts. But to be honest, and, and to take to take the point of view of where the NHL is coming from, where Gary Bettman's coming from, uh, where the ownership is coming from, let's let's be honest. The Nassau Coliseum is not an NHL building anymore. It's just it's just not. Especially it wasn't before the renovations, because when you look at some of the other buildings around the league. And you look after the renovations. They took they took two thousand seats out, and it's not you know they, 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 they there's a minor league scoreboard hanging in the Coliseum now, and it's still the same crowded concourse, and it's still lines for the bathroom, and uh, it's, it's 
it's it's to me it's it's not like it was years ago. It's 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 the Coliseum, yes, and you like to see the games played there. But to be to be perfectly fair and to take the NHL side, the Islanders side for the the, the, the the Nassau Coliseum as it's constituted now is not an NHL building, and I think everybody should be fortunate, uh, feel fortunate that they're playing games there again. Because this was not supposed to happen. They were not supposed to come back and play anymore, especially in a building that's downsized from the last time they were there, you know, a few years ago. So it's not an NHL building anymore. Does that does that contribute to the fact that people aren't going? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But um, certainly, I'm not sure by, that by it the... does. I'm really not sure that it does. That's why I think it's going to be so interesting. I really don't know. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's just they have to build back up this fan base and get them mm-hmm. to the point where they are now feel like they need to spend their disposable income on Islander tickets. Yeah. Otherwise they're going to miss out on something because there has been, again, there's now been a, um, the, the behavior has been, I can watch the game at home, have a really good experience. And then, or I can just pick and choose what games I want to go to and probably pay low prices to get into the building. Right, and right. they're gonna they're gonna have they're gonna have to undo that somehow, and that's gonna be a big challenge. Right, um, because because if you you can go to you can go if if you're if you're a family that's only interested in going to maybe ten or twelve games a year, and the Islanders don't offer a package, and up and I, I don't even know if they have a a, a mini plan now because I remember for the longest time it was either you there were you were waiting for them to put the individual tickets on sale, or you had to buy a full season, and that included the Barclay yeah. Center games. But you know now, like you, like, like I you know, mentioned before, you can go to Thursday night's game for ten dollars. You know the tickets for the you know the the um, yeah, the I Blues don't... game. Monday Monday afternoon, you could have gone in for for twelve or thirteen dollars to that game. So they no, do I'm have they, they have a lot of work to do. They have a lot of work to do to to um, to to create a demand for people to buy tickets in advance, to buy mini plans, to buy. Half season plans. I mean, they have a lot of work in front of them, but I, I do think at the end of the day, Joe, when we're when we're when the dust is settled, um, and we're maybe a year from now, we're having the same conversation now that everything is kind of settled down with the the, you know, the arena you know, nonsense. I, I do think you will see the fans start to come back because I think you're starting to see the excitement building for Belmont, and I think the fans will come back. They'll sell season tickets. People in the Elmont area will be. We'll be jumping on board for this. I think it will all work out at the end, but for now, like you're, 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 you're correct. It's fascinating to see how they're going to build this back up because right now there isn't a huge value for an Islander ticket because of the secondary market. But I, 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 I do think it'll happen. It's just how the Islanders get to that point is going to be interesting to see. Well, Pete, we appreciate your time here this evening. I hope to see you soon. However, I hope you are not wearing your stadium series jersey when I, when I see you. <laughs> No, it's retired. Without question, it's retired. Thanks a lot, Pete. We appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, Joe.